All right, we are back with a mini-sode episode again, and with some brief thoughts on something I've been thinking about this past week. And what it was is the trade-offs and the costs of having a lot of things that you would want for yourself. So I'll get into some of the concrete examples that led me down the road of thinking about this. But the basic idea here is that we all want everything, or I know at least that I do for the most part. And if you think about it, there are many different things that would be great to have at the same time, but are largely mutually exclusive to one another. Uh, Take financial pursuits as an example. There is always something on which you could spend more money. I mean, there is always another nice thing to buy, another resource for education or self-development to invest into, another road trip to take, another gadget to buy. But for most of us, the financial resources are limited. You know, Ramit Sethi talks about this in his book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which I read a few years ago. And his reoccurring motto in this book is that you should spend money extravagantly on the things that are truly important to you, but you should also cut back mercilessly on the things that aren't so important. And it sounds simple in concept, but actually... Often when you really think about it, you may realize that a lot of the things that you thought are important to you are really not. And you just say they are important almost because it seems like that's that's what's expected from you. As an example, last year, I moved into a really nice and big apartment, which was way bigger than what I would have needed at the time, but I just needed something quickly. And concomitantly, the rent was obviously quite a bit more than what I would have wanted to pay as well. And at the time, I was thinking that, well, okay, I moved in here. I guess I'll just cut back on other expenses. So maybe I'll buy less frozen berries and we'll buy cheaper foods instead. And as I was saying that, I realized that actually, I'm a person for whom buying good food that I like and helps me attain my health and body composition goals is way more important than living in some really nice apartment. In fact, for me, a lot of these things, like being able to buy good food and a few of the supplements that I like, is way more important than having a lot of material things, like having a good car or buying really nice clothes. Um, another example on this, actually, this past summer, uh, one Sunday, I was catching up with a friend for coffee, after which I was going to the gym, and he asked me which gym I was going to. And I said that, well, I'm going to whatever X gym. And that gym is one of the most expensive ones, if not the most expensive one in town. And that's not my regular gym, but the one I'm normally attending is closed on Sundays. So when I want to work out on a Sunday, I'm usually going to this other more expensive gym. And the guy was totally baffled and asked me why I don't go to this other gym, which costs a third the price. And I told him that, well, it's because that gym is always crowded as hell and the dressing room is tiny and when there are more than two people in there, you can't even fit in there and it stinks like crazy and the whole experience just sucks. And since working out is important to me, I'd rather spend this one hour on a Sunday in a place that I enjoy being at rather than at one where I can't wait to get out. And of course, it was still nonsensical to him. But it's because he has different priorities. And for him, the gym is probably just a chore-like experience that sucks anyway. So why would he spend extra money on this? And he probably also values and spends money on things that I don't value. And that's fine. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because does it mean that it would not be cool to spend a lot of money on all kinds of other things like clothes, more traveling, the newest phone with the coolest features, 
more gadgets or a new Xbox instead of this 360 model that I still have. No, it would absolutely be awesome to have all these things, but I can't get the best of everything. And the same thing happens in all domains of life. Um, just while we're still on this money-related theme, I think most of us would love to make many millions of dollars a year. Like, it sounds pretty nice, right? But do you really want to live the kind of life that would be required to make that kind of money? I mean, most people who make that much money, with sure a few, but I mean very few exceptions, work all the time, have no free time, and they actually really need to cut back on their sleep time to squeeze everything in. Like, do you want to live like that? Because I don't really want to. On the other hand, uh, you might be able to make, I don't know, $100,000, $200,000 a year. I mean, that's a lot of money, more than what most people would know what to do with. And you might be able to live a reasonably comfortable life while working a fraction of the time. Would it be more fun to make 10x the amount? Yeah, but the trade-offs are also probably at least 10x. And when it comes to other areas, for example, one thing I'd love to do for a period of time, and I also almost have this romanticizing attitude when I'm thinking of this, is waking up at some really nice early hour, like 5 a.m., and make that my default. I mean, I just love the idea of waking up before most of the world around me has started their days and just hammer away working on really meaningful things. And then by the time they're even getting into their workflow, I'm basically done with a full workday's worth of stuff and then hit the gym when nobody is even in there. So there's something that's really appealing about this. Now, what's the trade-off? Well, it's that if you want to sleep seven to eight hours at least, which you should be, then you need to hit the hay at like 9 p.m. or something, which means that by 8.30, your day is pretty much over. I mean, it's one thing that you won't be able to go out and meet with your friends for dinners and drinks and quiz nights and whatever. But I mean, for example, me on most days when I'm hanging out with my girlfriend, which is obviously a big priority for me, we usually meet at like 9 p.m. So... Would I just not see her again if I woke up at 5? So again, you just can't get the best of everything. Another example. Everyone's to maintain a low body fat percentage year-round. You know, the typical conversation goes, Hey, uh, insert the name of the fitness expert. Do you think I can maintain 8% body fat year-round? It's like, yes, absolutely. You can even maintain 7%. But there's a cost to that. Your calories will have to be lower, which means you will have to eat the most satiating foods, which means you won't be able to eat as much of the foods that you like as you otherwise could. It also means that you will have to eat out less, and when you do eat out, you will have to plan around it more. You will have to be much more measured and anal with the things you order in the restaurant, or you will have to be very meticulous with how you save up calories during the day. And then there's the potential downsides you may have to face in terms of mood, libido, and energy levels. Very high volume training. I talked about it a lot. Some of the best episodes are on this topic on my channel. But is it conceivable that you could make faster gains at 20 sets a week per muscle group than 12 sets a week? Yes. But there's a cost. Diet, sleep, stress, the whole nine yards. You will have to be more on point with these things and you will have considerably less leeway with these things. I myself actually would love to just try doing one of these 30 to 40 set protocols to see if I can blow myself up in a shorter time frame. But man, like last night I slept like six hours. 
And it's not because I was a reckless asshole. It's because my brain just started working over time. And all of a sudden, before falling asleep, I was thinking about stuff and I just couldn't quite shut it off. And then I couldn't hit my deep sleep cycles properly and I woke up too early. So, you know, this sucks enough as it is. And now I would have to worry about how I will survive my workouts in the gym with God knows how many sets so I can get in my weekly 30 for my muscle groups. Health. Just yesterday, I posted one of these best off type of podcast episodes with some of my favorite clips. And in one of those, Mike Isretel was talking about how if health was your number one priority, the question would be how much pizza and ice cream and burgers should you eat? And then the answer would be never eat any of that stuff. And I guess I should also add that you should also never attend a concert that lasts still quite late and will disrupt your circadian rhythms with blue light and noise. You should never sleep in on a weekend. But I mean, who the hell wants to live like that? Here's another example. Expertise in life. If you want to be truly world-class at something, you got to focus on the discipline. And basically, with any time that you're dedicating to some other field, you're trading off your ability to develop yourself further in that one discipline where you want to excel at. Tim Ferriss, for example, wrote a really long piece on why you should be a jack-of-all-trades and why you can be an expert in multiple fields. And it's like, yeah, I understand his sentiment, but, I mean, how well does it work out for him? For what I know, when he talks about nutrition, which he would probably claim to be an expert in, most of us in the fitness world have to cringe quite a bit, or at least I do. So, long story short, it's all about trade-offs, and most of the time, you can't get the best of everything. If you want to optimize everything, you will, in most cases, end up optimizing nothing. And if you're really set on optimizing a few things, you will probably strongly de-optimize a lot of other things that could still be important to you. So in many cases, it's good to think about ticking boxes as opposed to optimizing things. In most disciplines, there's a threshold of effort you need to exert and a few habitual things that can largely be automated to get results. And it will still get you 80% of the results you're looking for. And trying to identify those things will get you a long way. For body composition, for example, ticking boxes could mean hitting your calorie target within 150 and your protein target within 10 grams and doing 10 hard sets a week for each muscle group. For managing a relationship, it could be buying a flower for your girlfriend for five bucks once a month and pre-scheduling an I love you text message once a week. Just kidding. Just kidding. That last point was a joke. But I think you get the point. So that's all I had to say today. See you next time.